This is your host, Jason Snurgrove, and I will be your guide as we journey down the road to pleasure hunt or hitting the long trail to those great cop hunts. This is the Coon Hound Collective. <laughs> said what the blink is that he was loud and impressive when he treated up by himself he's probably a quarter mile from the other dogs and, and uh, he was uh, just one of a kind dog really and people kind of realized what he was that voice that you hear there is mr. Jess Dickerson if you haven't already picked up on it and that dog that he's talking about is the one and only nocturnal nailer we're gonna lightly touch on some subjects today as me and mr. Jess caught up in passing when he was coming through Springfield, Missouri. This is just part of what we're gonna get into with him. We're gonna get set up to do a little bit longer episode with him in the future. He was kinda of in a hurry and we was pressed for time, but we was able to get together and get this done. I really hope you enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy Mr. Jess Dickerson. Hey guys, this is Jason over at the Coonhound Collective Podcast. If you're thinking about swapping to a different dog feed, Give my friends a look over at ExtremeDogFuel.com. They carry two different lines. They carry an Elite and a Professional. The Professional has corn, wheat, and soy in it. The Elite does not have corn, wheat, and soy. Go over to ExtremeDogFuel.com. See which line and which mixture is right for you. Find a retailer near you. If you're in the southwest Missouri, northwest Arkansas area, you can't find a retailer and you want to give it a shot, hit me up at the coonhound collective at gmail.com i am a current dealer for extreme dog fuel i can get you price and i can get you dog feed again go see my friends over at extremedogfuel.com you won't be disappointed all right thank you today for joining us on the coonhound collective podcast Today I'm joined by Mr. Jess Dickerson and we are doing this live and in person and I want to take a minute to thank my son for allowing me to use his house here in Springfield. Mr. Jess, how are you today? I'm doing well, Jason. Well, I really appreciate you taking your time to be here with us today and share part of your story with us. Uh, Won't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and stuff like that? Well, Jason, um, I'm from a little old town called Mulberry, Kansas in southeast Kansas. It's right outside of Pittsburgh and I was raised there. Uh, Started coon hunting with some local friends of mine. Uh, One of the boys' dad hunted his whole life and I started hunting with them when I was just probably six, seven years old and just fell in love with it and been doing it ever since. Okay, so uh, as you started coon hunting with them, uh, when, when did you really get into your own dogs and how did that story come about to, to get into your own hounds and uh, start competition hunting? Well, it wasn't long after I hunted with those guys and I liked it that well, I ended up getting some dogs, but uh, you know, the first few dogs that I had a lot of them wouldn't tree and and uh, they just run all night and we're uh, from a poor family and and I, I remember lots of nights uh, taking the dogs out not even have batteries for my flashlight so I'd just walk around through the dark I could walk from my house the little town I lived in had woods all around it I would just walk around I didn't have to worry about them making a tree because they never treed much mm-hmm. so uh, that's how bad I wanted to hunt now I got to have the right dog the right light and the night's got to be the right night to even go yeah well i i definitely understand that you just when it gets in and you want to go you want to go no matter what for sure so uh what what hounds did you start with what kind of what kind of hounds has it always been walker dogs 
No, I um, I hunted different breeds and and stuff. I've hunted about every every breed there was. But you know, when I started, uh, got about fifteen, I started entering a few of the little local uh, grade hunts, and you know that kind of gets you hooked in competition. And you know, we was getting beat quite a bit when I was hunting some of that stuff. So about everything was beating me was walkers, and so I'm thinking that if you can't beat them, you might as well start hunting them. And that's how I started hunting walkers when I got a little older. And that's really about how it progressed. Okay. So you, uh, you started getting into the walker dogs and what, what was the first dog that you really had that really you could see that, okay, I'm going to have something here that I can win with and compete with at a big level. Well, my, the first dog that I had that was, his a pretty nice dog and, and, uh, you know, they all got holes in them, but I, I had a dog, I called him Dickerson's Rolling Thunder. He was a dual grand, made him a dual grand. And uh, he was probably my first dog that really, really showed me how to win. And uh, from there, I just kept progressing, getting different dogs, and finally got the line of dogs that I like hunted the most and just kind of started staying with them. Okay, well, let's let's talk about, let's move into that. What What is that line of dogs that, that suits you the best, that, that you like hunting, that some of your stuff has come from now? Well, uh, of course, a lot of people know about Naylor, and I bred uh, I bred a female called her uh, Lockdown Lassie that was Naylor's mother, and I took her to, uh, I think Larry Schultz was in uh, Harris, Minnesota when I bred Lassie. So I took her up there, and uh, a friend of mine, Tom Edwards, and I went up there and we both had a female to breed. We bred them both, and uh, so from that mating come Naylor and and uh, several of his litter mates. Okay, so out of that litter come Naylor. I've seen pictures of the dog, and he he looks like a what a coon dog's supposed to look like. Um, you know, big blocky head and stuff. What uh, t- tell us about Naylor and how he progressed, and some of the st- things he won, and some of the things about him. Well, when I when I first got Naylor, you know, he was a pup. I raised him, and, and uh, he was about 10 months old when I started hunting him. And, and uh first couple of nights, he was always gone with the dogs. But the, the third night we hunted him, he got treed away from the other dogs, treed by himself, first time he ever treed at night. And the uh, guy hunting with me said, what the blink is that? He was loud and impressive when he treed off by himself. He's probably a quarter mile from the other dogs. And and uh he was uh just one of a kind dog really and people kind of realized what he was um you know he was loud good looking dog and just about everything most people wanted to breed to in in a dog so i guess that's how he caught on so uh his reproducing ability i mean obviously i know from southeast alabama where i'm originally from if you said jess dickerson automatically Naylor was the name that that went with it so everybody knew you know this dog what what are some of the things that he won and events he won and um some of the things that you liked about him especially well i took him to a lot of the local hunts you know and i, I didn't hunt him in any hunts till he was about 19 months old and uh granted him out he was 21 months old when i granted him and he just won about everything i put him in uh Naylor was his style Naylor was a kind of dog it was a winding type dog he treated layup coons best i ever seen at it and uh he would strike uh if you was if you were striking good tracks he would strike as quick as any of them on a medium track he was more of a medium type strike dog and on a bad track he was a, a low wind strike dog 
but a lot of times he would uh, he most of the time he'd be ahead of the dogs and just open here and there and then he was treed okay so um going forward from from nailer i know you've had some dogs out, out of him they go back to him what what where did you kind of progress to you know while you had nailer and while <clears throat> while going forward well, I hunted uh, several dogs off of Naylor. We, we've had several nice dogs out of, out of Naylor. We had a female we called Tipper that was one that I liked pretty good. She was wild and a real striped dog and through the country and hard to catch until she was treed. You get, you had to go get her off a tree, and sometimes it could be a quarter mile. Sometimes it would be 10 miles. She didn't come back, and if you took her on a bad night, she was going to be treed somewhere. Um, from Mabel, we had a – or from – after Tipper, we had a female at the same time. We called her High Dollar Lady. She was off a nailer and a, and a lipper bred female, and she was a nice dog. The Tipper female I granted out that we was talking about a while ago, and, and she was a gold champion in PKC. And the lady female, she was we granted her, and then she was a gold. We, we made her a gold champion also in PKC. And then from there, we we had a dog called Skipper that was off a nailer. Him and, him and uh, Tipper were litter mates. And I sold Skipper to Jeremy Michaelis, but he was a really nice dog and a really reproducing dog with a big, big mouth. Okay. So the nailer, he went back to Tar Rattler. Is that correct? Yeah, he was the, out of Tar Rattler. The Tar Rattler dogs mm. and stuff like that. So as you um, progress with these dogs that, that, are, that were produced out of nailer, um, did you always hunt them all in PKC and UKC? Or was you just did you prefer to hunt one over the other, or, or did it matter to you? No, really, I didn't uh, prefer hunting one over the other. It's just uh, you know when you take one, you you grand him out, and then you know you go to some PKC hunts and you just hunt them. And if you got more than one dog, you sometimes uh, you know everybody thinks they have a favorite dog at times, and and you do once in a while have one that you favor over the others. But these dogs were all pretty balanced dogs, and. And uh, I could just reach in the pen and get one out. Yeah, it's nice when you can go up to the kennel and just don't know which one to pick. Just grab one. You know you can take it and win with it for sure. That's uh, that that's real real nice. Makes it real convenient for sure. So uh, moving forward from those dogs, you you have a dog. You had a dog named X Junior. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about him. What he's won and uh, what you what you liked about him what characteristics you see that is carried through with him well before we well before we go that far maybe we should back up to Naylor again and tell you um mostly hunted Naylor in most of the local hunts I did put him in some AKC hunts and he was an AKC night champion also but um Naylor when we was hunting him one night pleasure hunting it was a dark rainy night and we got him hit by a car and and I thought right then that he wasn't going to make it but he he lived through that and that pretty much retired him from the the big hunts or for me taking him to the big hunts when he got healed up from that car hitting him um they were people were breeding to him so much i couldn't even hardly get him out and hunt him like i'd like to again but up to that point he was about 30 months old then up to that point i hunted him about every night so you were live covering the females uh yeah that were breeding to him did you ever collect him at all yeah yeah, we uh, we did uh, collect Naylor, and we still got some semen. Which are, I, I see people on some of the some of the boards, message boards, uh, saying Jess doesn't have any semen off Naylor, and I've never told anybody I don't have any. We did lose some semen at one area. One of the clinics up there lost some semen for me, but we do still do have some. But as of now, I'm not going to sell any of it. Okay. Yeah. That 
that definitely makes sense. So is there anything else we need to cover in that nailer era that, that you'd like to cover while we're here and before we move on? Um, no, I'll probably, after I leave here, Jason, I'll probably have a lot of things that I think of after, after or so. Well, that's that's always the case. I I leave somewhere and I'm thinking, dog, I should have asked this. Yeah, <laughs> but well, I enjoyed hunting a nailer. He was probably the loudest sound I've ever heard in my life. Treed. It was hard for me to leave him home and and start hunting something else when he was so young still. But you know, we were at the time. By the time nailer was healed up from that wreck, he was breeding hundred and some females a year. So then it was hard to get him out and hunt him like I wanted to. Yeah, that makes it tough when. When people are breeding breeding dogs like that, and you want to get your dog out and hunting, but he's more valuable in the in the stud pen than he is out in the woods at, at some point for sure. Okay, well let's just go ahead and go on forward here, and you know bring us all the way up to to X Junior and any stories in between that you want to share. Okay, well I want to touch base with uh, we uh, bought bought Skipper from a guy in Arkansas. His name was Brad Honeycutt, and uh, so I started hunting Skipper a lot and. And um, a guy in Illinois raised Skipper and Tipper out of a female they called Freckles. And a guy named Larry Weiss had her. And he bred her to Naylor once to, to get the cross with uh, Skipper and Tipper. He come back to breed a, a second time and we never could get her bred. Uh, so I ended up, I bought her and from Larry. And along with her come Tipper. She, Tipper was like 11 months old, and he said, I'll, I'm going to quit. So if you want this older female, you got to buy this pup. I really didn't want the pup, but then after I had her, she she I liked her better than the mother after I got to hunting her. But that's where Skipper and Tipper came from, that cross. And, and then we've used that right on down to X-Junior. He come from that cross out of out of uh, X-Junior and a, and a second junior female. Okay. So and I said uh, he'd, come out of, he'd come out of Skipper and an X-Junior female. Right. Okay. Oh, out, out of Skipper. He was out of Skipper, and I think I I don't know. If not, it's something there. If you can go back and see that or edit it later, maybe I don't know. You yeah, know. I will. I'll, I'll make yeah. a note for. Because X Junior was out of Skipper, and I, I think I said X Junior. Okay. But. Um. Okay. So with um with X Junior, you won the world championship with him, right? Is that yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Won't, won't you uh, won't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about X Junior? What you liked about him? I'll tell you and, how I got him. First and tell you how how you got him. How how the whole process come about and lead us all the way in into the world championship. Okay. I was uh how I come up to get X Junior. I had a, a long life friend that was in the same town, which I was raised in a little town called Mulberry, Kansas. It's right on the Kansas Missouri line outside of Pittsburgh, and a buddy of mine. He and I had some dogs together, and he was uh, going to quit hunting for a while, so I bought some of the dogs, and he sold some. And, and uh, a few years later, he bought X Jr. as as a young dog back, and uh, he went to hunting him, and he called me one time and said he was going to have to go to work, so um, he wanted me to come down and see him. So I went down and hunted with him a few times and, and uh, was impressed with him, and I ended up just uh, working out a price and ended up buying him eventually. And we hunted him for a little bit. Eldon hadn't been hunting him for a while when we bought him. And so he was a little bit rusty, and we got to hunting him good, good and hard. He made the right kind, and, and uh, we started putting him in some hunts, finished him to grand. I think he was a night champion when I bought him from Eldon. And uh, I, I don't show dogs much. I have in the past, back when I was a lot younger. But I did. he needed one win to grand him on the bench, so I, I actually took him to a world qualifying hunt 
And I got there in time to enter him in the bench show when I won the bench show with him and finished him to grand show. And then we started putting him in the hunts and granting him out. And then, of course, in 2001, we won the UKC World Championship with him. Can you tell us about that that win, what it meant to, to win that, and a little bit about that cast that was out there when you went out there and kind of how, how he operated and things like that? Yeah, in that World Championship cast, the actual the hunt was in um, – Palmyra, Missouri, and a well-known guy that guided the cast uh, for us up there. Uh, we end up hunting on the Illinois side in this final cast, and uh, we turned the dogs loose, and, and uh, the, one of the dogs opened and didn't do anything with it. And ended up, we, we felt like he opened on a possum because we found the possum dead in a corn cut cornfield right about where he had started barking. But the first time X opened, he was a half mile deeper. And, and uh, so that gives me a second strike. And he gets in there about another mile and gets treed on a coon. And, and we had to walk to him and, and uh, he had the coon. And we come back. I've never had this done in a cast. I know the rules say this in UKC. But we came back and the dog had been struck in for 100 hadn't been with the dogs and had been over an hour. He hadn't been with any of the dogs. He's operating by himself. And they, when we end up, going back where we last heard him um even though he was barking they made me turn loose again or the rest of the cast turn loose again and uh when i struck i the judge put me in for a hundred and i asked him why and he said well it's been an hour and the dog the other dog hadn't worked with the other dog so he didn't feel like he was part of the cast that's the only cast i've ever been in my life that they done that in but i do know that was a a rule but uh of course you know when you got two and a quarter or 200 on a coon you don't want to be struck in for a hundred and, and you make a bad tree and then you're back to zero in ukc you have to have plus points to be the back to world champion and so he goes on in trees and we can't find a coon but it's a big big oak tree and pretty much the hunt's over about that time okay and so you ended up winning with two two twenty five two hundred yeah two hundred plus mm-hmm. okay so um we done a lot of walking with him on the lead, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, from the time you started coon hunting to present day, what have you seen change in the dogs, or have you seen anything change in the dogs? And what have you seen change in the sport itself? Well, there's a lot of things that's changed. When I first started hunting, they had three-hour hunts, and uh, of course now that I'm getting older, I'm sure glad they don't have them now. But I was actually mad when they switched from three hours to two hours and uh i just felt like you know that didn't give a, a coon dog a chance as you know and the longer you hunt a dog the better dogs should come out on top the longer you hunt and i always felt like the three hour hunts was was a good way to go so since i started hunting they changed it from three to two and then now they're going to hour and a half cast a lot of them and an hour cast too which i'm in favor of now but uh been a lot of changes in the dogs when i first started you uh you really when you started hunting in a hunt with the dogs we had back then they wanted to trail they very seldom i'm not saying they were very seldom treed they did tree but if uh dog treed and you was in a night hunt you just about better wait till your buddy's dog trees with that dog back then and and now we don't have to worry about that now we went the other way some of the dogs treat a little too much but they stay treed. So that's the main difference I've seen in the dogs from dogs that want to run all night to dogs that tree. This comes up from time to time where people say, you know, back in the day the dogs were better, today the dogs are better. 
is there really a difference or is there just a difference in the way they operate, do you think? Well, my opinion is the guys that say the dogs aren't as good today, they're living in the past. You know, you always, people say, oh, so-and-so, well, that dog's dead and gone. You can say what you want to about him now. But I think the dogs are better by far now than they were back in those days. Yeah, they always say the, the deader the dog, the better he was for right. sure. So exactly. um, I, I've heard people say that, and I, and I don't know, I tend to disagree. I think as time has moved forward, we went from dogs not treeing enough to dogs slick treeing and treeing too much to I think we've kind of almost hit a balance now. Yeah, I think so. Moving forward, what uh, what kind of dogs are you you still messing with dogs and what what you got out there that you're hunting and and what kind of hunts are you you hunting in well the you know i i've really enjoyed hunting pkc too also i i've always hunted ukc hunts and i was hunting in a lot of the pkc hunts too and and uh, i just enjoy both of the both of the clubs and you hear guys say that one's better than the other but i i feel like you get about the same breaks with both of them and it takes the same dog to win in UKC as it does in PKC. Yeah, it, it takes a dog that actually trees raccoons. Right, to exactly. win. If they tree coons, they're going to win in either one. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I know I hear guys talk about, you know, well, in PKC you can win and not have plus points and, you know, you know this, that, and the other about this other registry. In the end, if you have a dog that trees raccoons, you're going to win, period. Yeah, right. uh, I mean, that's just the way it is. So uh, what what dogs do you have now that you're hunting? I've got a dog. He's double X Junior bred and double Jane. Uh, you know, um, I call this dog Timber Axe, and he is out of a dog I had called Timber X. Okay, won't you tell us a little bit about those dogs there that was between Junior and where you're at now? Well, how we come up with these dogs now that we've got is uh, we end up buying uh insane jane when she won the world hunt in 2005 and we had a dog in that final cast and she put on a pretty good show and and from that cross what we or from that we end up breeding her to x junior which was the first time that anybody's ever bred two world champions together at that back at that time and uh they were all grand too and uh we sold them pups for at that time probably was a record price for pups back then um, we made two different crosses, and, and uh, the dog I'm hunting now, I call him Timber Axe, and he was out of a son of that a cross out of X Junior and, and Jane that I called uh, Tall Timber Little X. This Axe dog is double-bred X Junior. We took a niece, bred her back to her uncle to get that this cross that Axe is out of. Okay, so you've been around this dog breeding thing for, for a little while now, and... Talk about breeding them tight, outcrossing. Talk about just the breeding program in general. If somebody's out there that, you know, they're getting started into coon hunting, or maybe they've been into it for a little while, but maybe they've just been buying dogs and they think, okay, it's time that, you know, I got this dog, I like it, and I want to start breeding and kind of getting my own line here. Well, um, I just feel like, you know, when a guy starts breeding a, a dog, that he should have the right traits to actually be able to reproduce those traits and you don't know until you breed them to see if they will reproduce them but years ago i know a lot of people didn't believe in line breeding but i think that's the way to to uh really make your strain tight and give you keep the same traits that you already have and want yeah i, I hear people talk about line breeding and then you know in breeding when they get so close and um and then also outcrossing 
to pick up characteristics from from time to time is that is that kind of what what you look for when you're doing you have dogs that have certain characteristics you like and then maybe you see this other female or male that has some other characteristics you like would you outcross to those to get it into what you have currently yeah somewhat um i always feel like you know you you uh you breed a female to a male that complements your female or vice versa. You know, if you got one that trees too much, you dang sure don't want to breed it back to one that trees too much also. So you want to go with something that's uh, more of a trailing type if you got one that's more of a tree type. But I also feel like, you know, once you get the dogs that you want, that you need to kind of line breed that. And I like line breeding. For instance, uh, we took Timber X, which is this, uh, the daddy of this axe dog I was telling you about, out of X Jr. and Jane. And I had a female, I called her a little bit extra, which Timber X was a grand knight and a PKC champion also. And this extra female was a litter mate to him, and she was a grand knight and, and uh, also a PKC champion. I'd hunted her a little bit and hunt, should have hunted her more. Uh, she's just a good, solid dog. But they really had the traits. They matched up good. So I, I thought I always wanted to do this one time with the, with the right kind of dogs. And they're... they're characteristics seem like that should make the right dog if we we could breed them together so we i bred that litter mate female to her litter mate brother and we come up with we end up she had four pups that lived and all four of them made nice dogs we've got a female that's a grand knight out of that cross right now that we've bred a few times uh, and we're using that to stay back in our line and and at when i first bred them like that i thought it was probably a, just a a cross that would keep the traits good and didn't know how good they would be but all that whole litter was all four of them dogs made good dogs which uh there's only two of them still alive now uh we had a real nice male that uh coon drowned and then we had a, a really really special female out of that cross that got ran over okay yeah well i'm glad you touched on that i mean you know i People ask all the time, you see on Facebook asking about breeding this way or that way or whatever. And, you know, everybody I talk to, I try to, you know, ask, you know, questions. And, you know, people have different opinions on things. But for the most part, I get the same thing. If this dog has the characteristics you like and that dog has the characteristics you like, then that would be, you know, what you wanted to breed to. So I wanted to touch on that briefly there just just to get your your thoughts on it because I know you've been doing it a while and, You've obviously been successful at it, for sure. Hey guys, this is Jason over at the Coonhound Collective Podcast. I'm here today to tell you about one of our sponsors, Cocky's Outdoors. Whether you need a few dog collar or the whole setup, they can fix you up. They have a wide range of products from hound hunting to fishing. My friends over at Cocky's Outdoors can help you out. You can order online at conkeysoutdoors.com. Call them at 904-692-1568, 904-692-1568, or if you're in the Hastings, Florida area, go by and see them. Again, this at conkeysoutdoors.com because we support people who support our way of life. Won't you tell us some stories about Naylor and X Junior, some some of these dogs that you had, some some hunting stories, and you know just whatever you would like to share share about them. Well, I guess I'll start with Naylor. Uh, when he was when he was 11 months old, I, I said, you know, told you that he was the first time he ever treed was by himself, and you know back then there wasn't a lot of tree dogs like he was and uh i would say the first time he ever treed when he was 10 11 months old when he treed off by himself he would have probably treed for three four hours he was just that kind of a tree dog i mean he uh 
when he treaty stayed, and I think that was natural from the time he was born. Uh, I know they can't see see what I'm showing you, but this picture's all over Facebook. It's a picture of you and Naylor. Can you tell us about that picture, where it was taken, and uh, does it jog any any memories there for you? Yeah. Yeah, that picture was taken in Cesar, Illinois, at a PKC hunt, and I, I had Naylor uh, with me, and uh, Terry Walker actually took that picture from American Cooner, and if I would have known it was been all over the book, I'd have had him standing a little better. Well... I, I tell you that that picture there is um, when, when you say Jess Dickerson and Naylor, that's the picture that I think comes to everybody's mind. I, I, I've seen that for as long as I can remember. Now that Facebook's a thing, I see it around there for sure. Um, well, go ahead and tell us some more about Naylor, and then let, we'll, we'll talk about X Junior and some of these other dogs. Okay. Well, I, I touched a little bit on on uh, uh, hunted Naylor from the time he was probably 10 months old till he was about uh, 30 months old when he got hit by that car. And uh, a good friend of mine now is gone. Stan Hinkle was his name, and he uh, hunted with Naylor probably as much as him and Eldon Prettyman hunted with Naylor probably as much as anybody did besides me. But Stan was with me the night he got hit by the car, and I was trying to flag the car down. Actually, we were trying to catch... Naylor and a littermate brother to Naylor, we uh, called him Dinger. And uh, he was a grand knight also and a PKC champion also too. Um, him and Naylor was running a coon and, and uh, we could see the headlights of a car way down the road coming toward us. So we drove up there as close as we could get to him, got out of the car. And of course, we called, we drove right up on Dinger and caught him. And I could see Naylor was trying to go around us to get on the other side. The coon had crossed the road, and he was trying to get around us, not let us catch him. And I could see him in the headlights of the car down the road about 50 yards. And and uh, I was right there on top of it when he when the guy hit him. And uh, glad the guy didn't stop because I was not real happy. Yeah, I, I can only imagine uh, having a dog... Uh, that's that special getting hit at that young of an age for sure. So, what was that? What was that recovery process like? Well, he had broke a, a bone in his hip and and one in his leg, and uh, it took about five six months before he was really back where we could really hunt him good. Uh, I was told not to hunt him for a while, make sure it healed up good. So we was trying to do that, but. Um, I actually hunted him probably before and prolonged it. It didn't really hit, let him heal good enough, you know, when you got one that you really want to hunt. So it took us about six to eight months before we got him healed up. And by then, people was breeding pretty heavy. I never really got him back out and hunted him hard. You know, we did, uh, we didn't really get a chance to hunt him any, any good big hunts. So um, you said you were breeding, what, 100 females a year? with him is that what you said somewhere around that yeah, he was breeding probably from the first from as soon as we got him healed as soon as we got him healed back up he was already starting to breed females we was breeding probably 125 to 150 females every year to him and one year i think we bred 183 that i had stud slips pkc stud slips on okay so um as he as he got older and you're breeding these females. Obviously, you, you can't haul him to hunts if he's you know breeding that kind of females. Was you hunting him in local hunts around the house, or you just pleasure hunting him when you had time, or, or what was you doing there? 
Well, we, we did, I did hunt him just a little bit just to keep him in shape good and stuff, but mostly we wasn't hunting him hardly any after we started, you know, after he was about three years old. And after that car wreck, we didn't hunt him much after that. I just think it's impressive that a dog that was that young that really wasn't pushed in big hunts, per se, breeding that many females that has, I mean, you know, that that's just a name you know. If you know anything about walkers, that's just a name you know is, is Nocturnal Nailer. And I just think that's pretty impressive that, you know, no older than he was when he got hit by the car and, you know, what he had accomplished at that time, especially back, back then. So tell us about um, some of this other breeding, Pat, coming past past uh, Naylor and some of the other stud dogs that, you, that you've had? Well, f- first I'll, I'll go ahead and touch on why I think that people come to Naylor. You know, like you said, we didn't win any like world championships with him to make people come, to have people come like they do to some of the dogs that breed. But about that time, I think people had bred the dogs at one hunts and, and a lot of the dogs, not saying anything bad about dogs, but some of the dogs that really are or good hunting dogs don't make them good reproducing dogs. But what I think brought people to Naylor is his looks and his mouth and just the overall makeup that he had and of course his pedigree. So talk talk about his mouth. I seen Lipper was in his in his background and Tar Rattler and I, I've hunted with some Tar Rattler dogs and, and they got a pretty decent mouth on them, but just how loud was he? Well, Naylor was the loudest street dog I ever heard in my life. I mean, I've hunted with a lot of dogs, and and he was the loudest tree dog. You, you, when he treed and you got to the tree, he didn't even look. You didn't even know. He didn't know you was at the tree. He would look straight up the tree. You could put a lead on him. He even didn't, didn't even acknowledge you were there. Uh, and you literally had to drag him off the tree if you didn't shoot a coon down. Um, but he was he would so loud, we'd tie him back because he would hurt your eardrums at the tree if you just tried to shine for a coon for a little bit. Yeah, I know a lot of those leopard dogs, they say, were loud, and I had heard that about Naylor, about him being so loud he'd hurt your ears, uh, you know, when you're around him at a tree, for sure. Um, what other, what, besides the ones we've covered, or even the ones we covered, what other stud dogs have you had, and and um, how, how having a stud dog, how has it affected you as a coon hunter? Well, back when I had Naylor, I was... Uh... I was really into the hunts hard and heavy and we were going we were going about every weekend somewhere and we'd be we'd been North Carolina, South Carolina, maybe Georgia or Michigan somewhere about every weekend we were going to something good, something big. I've done some stupid stuff out there coon hunting, you know. I mean, I've crawled in places where snakes den up underwater and did crazy things. I've climbed trees across river when it was frozen but not frozen enough to maybe hold you and i've crossed on trees and got a hold of another tree on the other side of the river and crawled over there got over there and got my dog and then would actually carry the dog back across the river on the in the tree with me going back i've done some pretty pretty stupid things really when you come down to it okay well let, let's talk about those stories i think that's an important part of of coon hunting i think we all have a few few little stories you know here and there but you probably got quite a few that you can tell so let's let's touch on them well there's uh there's sometimes we were hunting at a hunt one night in uh 
It was in Texas at one of Reggie Ramsey's PKC hunts that he was having there at Whitesboro, Texas. And uh, I was actually hunting X Jr. And this was after we had won the world championship with him. And I was hunting him in a cast and these other boys' dogs all treed and didn't have a coon. And X Jr. went on and he had a coon. And so them guys had all minus and, and I had 200 plus. And the next track we turned loose, uh, X Jr. and another dog is true. Well, they're all treed, and in a, but we knew they were in a hole when they was in a on the edge of a lake, and you could uh, see that where the where the dogs went in. X Jr. and another guy's dog was in back up under the in this hole, but you could just see about two inches of daylight in there where you could see where they was at, and so I I actually had to go underwater and swim back in under that. It was a, kind of a, a cave back in there. And so the dogs, they had a coon face to face with a coon and it was, I had to go underwater again and swim, swim to get them. But they was about four foot from me and I started looking around. I was laying on a mound of, of like a beaver den inside this cave like deal. And I get to looking around, there's sticks and stuff there. So I start looking around and there's uh, about a hundred holes about inch and a half around us laying right on top of a snake's den and so i mean i was already there so i'm thinking i'm getting my dog i'm not going to take a scratch so i i get a stick and it had a hook on it and i hooked his collar and had another stick and slapped him and got his attention a little bit and yanked him with that with that stick in his collar and i got him to me i stayed in there about another 15 minutes trying to get the other guy's dog out so that was one of the things that wasn't real smart of me doing yeah yeah I, that's I, i'm not a snake person at all <laughs> that, no, that would have no, been a deterrent for me i got another one even about falling in a well yeah well, go go ahead Let, let's hear about it well jason you you was asking me about some other stories that i've got about hunting and dogs when i was about 18 one night we had uh, a couple of dogs treed and we go to them and Back way when we were kids, everybody wanted to shake a coon out. So one of the boys said, let's shake one of them coons out. We shook it out. And the dogs were running at two dogs. I had two dogs, and uh, they went quiet. And I thought they was way off. You could faintly hear them. So we would go back to the truck and drive around, and it sounded like they were back where we came from. So we went back there and started walking, and we could faintly hear them. So we walked up on them, and they had both fell in a whale. And it was about 20 foot down in this whale. And there was water down there. And there was about four of us hunting, and we all had a, a dog lead with us. So I crawled down this well. You know, some of them wells are those hand dug lined with rock, and they wasn't very big around, so you could put your back up against them and just kind of inch down in the well. Well, I get down there, and, and uh, my good dog was dead. She, she had drowned in that well. And this other dog, he was on the only ledge that they was there, and, uh, and he wasn't very good, but he was alive. But I get down there, and there's three snakes went around with us in that in that well. So we I tightened their collars up, and we put our leads together, and they lowered their leads down to me, and I snapped the dogs up. We pulled them up out of that deal. But that's another thing a guy probably shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The uh, 
I, I could handle the whale. The, the snake is no. Uh, yeah. I, um, yeah, there was three snakes swimming around with me. I, I, I would be done at, at the snakes. That, I, I just don't know how. Well, I didn't I get in the water with them, but I mean, I'm stepping right. I'm here to you from them, you know, and they're swimming around. That dog's it's dead, and and that one dog was dead and just floating there. And so I mean, I put a lead on her, and we drove her to the top, and got the other dog out too. Wow. Um, is there anything else you want to cover dog wise, uh, before we get to the end here? Well, uh, you asked me, you asked me, Jason, about some other, the stud dogs I had, you know, I had Skipper and, and, uh, and he was a nice dog. Um, I told you how loud Naylor was. Skipper was loud. He wasn't as loud a tree dog as Naylor was, but he was loud. And, uh, Skipper probably had the best track mouth of any dog I've ever heard in my life, including Naylor. He had, a, he, you know, Naylor had a good track mouth too, but it wasn't like Skipper's. I'd just soon hear, hear him run a coon as any dog I've ever heard. He was a pretty impressive dog. Okay. Um. Well, another interesting thing i done, and I'll tell you this. So, Well, uh, you know, when you talk about doing stupid things at night, there's a lot of, a lot of times a guy don't use good judgment. And I had a dog at one time climbed a tree, and, and he was right on the edge of a cliff. And he was probably 50 foot up in this tree, and this cliff was probably 50 foot on down, and he was out over a limb. He crawled out over on a dead limb and couldn't go any farther. And uh, this is the, the thunder dog I had, the one I told you guys at first, that, I, that uh, one of my first grand nights that I had and the first dog I kind of pushed. And... I climbed up that tree. Of course, I only had a dog lead, but I made a noose out of it. I got up above the dog and on a good limb. He was on a dead limb, and me and him both couldn't have fit out on that thing or it would have broke. But I made a noose and hooked it over his, swung it over his neck and or his head and caught him by the neck and pulled him up to me and then climbed down the tree with him. And, uh, you know, us coon hunters do a lot of, a lot of stupid things to save a dog and, that was probably not the smartest thing to do. Yeah, well, you, you know, sometimes dog hunters get a bad name from anti-hunters, but I don't think they realize the relationship that a hunter in the woods builds with that animal that they're hunting every night, that they have in their kennel, that they're caring for every day. I just don't think they people understand the bond that is created there and the links that someone will go to like some of these stories you've told us here today, uh, to try to save their dog. I mean, you're putting your life in a jeopardizing situation to save that animal. And I, I just think that's something that, you know, needs to be told and needs to be relayed to some of these people that don't hunt, that don't understand. Um, this is not Fluffy sitting on the couch with us. This is a athlete, a working dog out there that, you have a connection and a bond with that is doing what it loves to do and you're doing everything you can to keep that dog safe and protected. Um, well, we, we have been at it almost an hour, not quite an hour now. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to stop by and, and do this with me, uh, in person. Uh, it's been an honor to meet you and I really do, do appreciate it. And is there anybody you'd like to thank or say before we, before we sign off here? Um, no, I mean, uh, there's been a lot of people that's helped me through, through, uh, with the dogs, you know, I've had guys that hunt, help hunt them for me and, and, uh, 
I had a great partner in Russ Meyer for years that uh, he and I went down a lot of roads together going to these hunts. And uh, Rusty Jones was one of the first youth guys that you and I, he and I used to go every weekend somewhere. And from the time he was 14 till he turned 18, we would be at a hunt about every weekend too. So I appreciate Rusty and his family because they would always have to meet us and on the road going through toward his house. I was always having to go east, and they was kind of on our way, and uh, they'd meet us from to and from. And uh, then uh, in later years, after Rusty got out and started going to college and going to school, another young guy, Cody Myrtle, was a good dog man too, and he started going with me when he was about 14 until he was 18 hunting the youth hunts too. So I enjoyed having those guys along, and they really helped me a lot. Yeah, I'd, I'd say with, with that kind of stud dogs and people showing up, it, it takes other people to, to help you get everything done for sure. So uh, I know with me, it's just my kids, but just a few dogs that I have, it, it takes extra help feeding dogs and, you know, making sure they're they're took care of if I'm not there or whatever. So I do know that. But, hey, I appreciate you taking your time to be on here today, and uh, hopefully we can get back together and we can – cover some more stories and some more history of this and especially if you're going to be down this way i think that'd be be awesome and i think it'd be be really good for the sport also so i appreciate you being on here thank you too jason all righty thank you guys for listening today to the coonhound collective podcast and we will catch you next time thanks guys for listening to the coonhound collective podcast today we really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen to the podcast if you don't mind head over to facebook and give us a like and head over to instagram and give us a follow it's both at the coonhound collective also if you would like to reach us here at the coonhound collective you can reach us at the coonhound collective at gmail.com if there's someone that you would like to hear on the podcast or a product that you would like to hear talked about please send it to the coonhound collective at gmail.com thanks again and have a great day.